0: Hello and welcome to On Air with Myrick O'Connell. I'm Howard Kaplan. This on-air podcast features attorneys from Myrick O'Connell, a full-service law firm with offices in Worcester, Westboro, and Boston. Today's guest is attorney Jim Donnelly. Jim is a member of Myrick O'Connell's litigation department whose practice focuses on civil litigation and business disputes. We should note that we're recording this episode in the midst of the coronavirus or COVID-19 crisis. Today we'll discuss the Challenging situation many nonprofit volunteer boards of directors find themselves in due to this crisis. Jim Donnelly, we want to thank you so much for joining me on on air with Myra O'Connell.
1: Well, thanks, Howard. Uh, it's uh, it's a privilege and a pleasure, and uh, I may, I might just supplement the introduction you gave by saying that. Uh, a lot of what I say is not just as a lawyer, but having spent a lot of time in the trenches uh, because uh, I'm uh, uh, an officer and a board member of several pretty substantial nonprofits. So uh, this is sort of a, a uh, an adjunct uh, to my uh, my litigation practice, but the legal principles are very important. And I also do, uh, as a lawyer, represent. A lot of uh, nonprofits. Uh, although my board time and officer time is always volunteered.
0: Sure. No. Thank you for that additional information. And I've, I've known you, of course, for years. And that is indeed true. I can I can verify that most nonprofit organizations are governed, as you know, by volunteer trustees who are recruited from the community and agree to serve without compensation because they identify with the mission and look forward. To the satisfaction of doing good, unquote, for the community. A majority have no training or experience in corporate governance, and almost by definition, they have no economic stake in the organization. In good times, it's a wonderful experience, I think we'd all agree. But what happens in hard times, such as the one we're facing with COVID-19, when the organization is struggling financially? Or worse yet, when the board needs to take disciplinary action against senior staff, or consider a merger that may perpetuate elements of the mission, but otherwise terminate the organization. What's the best way for board members to cope with difficult decisions? Jim Donnelly will help us sort out right now all these complex issues during this podcast in just 25 minutes. Jim... (laughs) Okay, (laughs) let's get on with it. That's right, yeah, so let's go. So, Jim, uh, the first question would be, what are the typical sources of conflict...
1: Well, I think it's important to, uh, first of all, make it, to recognize two different kinds of conflict, and I'll talk about each of them separately. Uh, the first conflict, which is the one with the biggest legal consequence, are conflicts of interest, where uh, a board member is, uh, is, is uh, has a business relationship with the organization, and is essentially sitting on both sides of the transaction, uh, but the day-to-day uh, conflict that is really uh, uh, much more common comes in in in, in uh, the dilemmas that you face in in trying to bring the organization forward. Uh, how do you? What are the trade-offs between the mission and the finances? Uh, it, it's very important. For example, if you're a food pantry, to be uh, providing food to as many people as possible, but You have to be able to afford it, and you have to be able to afford the salaries and so forth. So there's a a conflict always in that the organization is financially responsible. Then another very uh, frequent uh, issue is that you naturally develop uh, good, loyal relationships with staff members, but uh, you have to step back and sometimes make tough decisions, sometimes about whether they're doing an adequate job, sometimes about their uh, salary, sometimes about uh, whether the organization has to lay people off. Uh, and the challenge, I'd say the most common challenge, particularly where the, the board member doesn't have an economic stake, is uh, is maintaining financial discipline. Uh, it It's easy to just keep spending money, yeah until it's all gone. Yeah. and that's 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 the, that's one of the big temptations and dangers that uh, has to be uh, reckoned with. And then the, I guess the last one, which I don't want to neglect to mention, is uh, that there's sometimes a who's in charge problem. Typically, a nonprofit will have a uh, a CEO whose title might be executive director. Uh, and the board and the CEO have to work together, but which issues fall into whose camp? And, and that, that's a, that can be a frequent source of conflict.
0: How should board members prioritize all these different mandates and priorities and duties?
1: Well, um, so, it, it, to begin with, um, uh, it, it's worth pointing out that, that a, a board member has basically free duties, and they are duties to the organization, not not to the CEO, not to people who work there. It's to the organization, mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, uh, so uh, you, you you the uh, you know you have to simply put the interests of the organization first, and. You have to uh, then uh, another dilemma that sometimes comes up is uh, people get very very dedicated to uh, a, 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 an organization and lose sight of its mission. Yes.
0: Uh, the yeah, the
1: organization almost becomes like a social club. Yep. Uh, and uh, and but you still have to carry out the mission. So uh, so it's I would say the the, the the most important thing is to look at what the mission is and keep reminding yourself of it and and I might add to stop from time to time and make sure that everybody understands the mission and 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 from time to time refresh and clarify the mission
0: good advice and particularly during this challenging period of time here here's a question i think a lot of people listening and who deal with nonprofits and really any organization that has a board would have who supervises board decisions?
1: Well, in in Massachusetts, uh, and I might say, uh, nonprofit organizations are generally formed under a, uh, a special statute, which is called Chapter One Hundred and Eighty. Uh, nonprofits are generally supervised by the Attorney General of Massachusetts. And there's a division in that office that will, uh, uh, you know, that, that enforces compliance with nonprofit law. Uh, to some degree, of course, the Internal Revenue Service will to make sure that the organization is actually functioning uh, consistently with its charitable mission. But principally, it's the attorney general.
0: Now, are board members subject to lawsuits? That's another popular question. Uh, not so much popular because it's fun, but because people are scared. And if so, yeah. can- <laughs> and if so, who can bring them, and on what grounds?
1: Well, so uh, uh, first of all, the the technically accurate answer, but not a complete answer. So I'll expand on it later. But the technically accurate answer is the only person who has what we lawyers call standing. sue nonprofit board members for things that they do in the capacity of a board member is the attorney general of massachusetts Hmm. or potentially the internal revenue service Hmm. Uh, so um a uh uh, um, so there's there's much less exposure than say the director of a of a private for profit company
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But uh, the unpleasant truth that uh, all lawyers know is that uh, all it takes to file a lawsuit is to is to file a complaint in in the applicable court and pay the filing fee of a few hundred dollars and uh, so even though a a, a a community member for example does not have standing and uh, that type of a lawsuit will typically be uh, will almost inevitably be dismissed uh uh, there's still a lawsuit and somebody has to appear and defend it and explain to the judge why it would need to be dismissed so uh so uh uh, and we'll come in a minute to uh how you protect yourself against that eventuality Um, but uh, in any case uh, even with the attorney general the only uh, basis for liability for an action taken as a board member, say, voting on a, a resolution or something like that, is if the uh, action is uh, is taken, it's really for a selfish advantage at the expense of the organization. In other words, if you are taking charitable assets from the organization and putting them in your own pocket, uh, and if that's in bad faith. So it's it's there's the likelihood of liability is very small, and the only person that has standing to make that type of claim is the attorney general. But uh, uh, every trustee should take some steps that we can talk about in a sec, too, uh, to protect themselves from the inconvenience and the expense of a lawsuit, even if it's a baseless one.
0: And and what are those steps, uh, Jim?
1: So the first one uh, is um, well, I, and I'll, I want to. There are two different aspects of this. First of all, you want to stick with best practices. I'll talk for a second about rec- now about best practices, and sure, then sure. some legal protections. So the first thing is to always openly disclose to the other people in the organization any conflict of interest that you might have. And, and in fact, if if, uh, every organization ought to, at least once a year, uh, poll every board member to disclose any business relationship that they or a member of their family might have with the organization. The business relationship might be okay uh, if it is a genuine arm's-length transaction. But it has to. The important thing is to is to disclose it so that it doesn't look like it's been kept secret. And then uh, the second thing is that when the board acts on, say, a contract that a family member might have with it, it might just be a snowplowing contract or any kind of a contract.
0: Sure.
1: You want to to step out of the room when the other board members discuss that and vote on it so that you're not actually participating in the vote um, and then also you want to uh, every charitable organization uh, has to make certain filings both with the uh, Commonwealth of Massachusetts and with the Internal Revenue Service so you should ask the the, the treasurer both the board treasurer and the um, uh, the organizational uh financial person to, uh, to make sure that all of the filings are are made correctly and ideally you should have uh, every organization ought to have uh, a good CPA who will uh, every year uh, come in and and just provide that extra level of, of assurance and the final thing it, and this by the way is it sounds easy but sometimes it isn't board members should always be asking questions. Yeah. You know, we're we're all a little bit shy, we all don't want to be nosy, we don't want to be seen as pushy, we want to get along with the people in the room. But but the, one of the most important duties of a uh, of a board member is, is to ask questions that are meaningful and probing. So you always have to remember that that's part of the responsibility.
0: What are the limits on exposure for these boards if they should be sued or if some other action is taken against them? The
1: first and foremost is that Chapter 180 uh, has a provision that board members who are serving as volunteers, that is unpaid board members, uh, can only be liable for actions that are taken Uh, in bad faith for basically for for selfish purposes uh, to put money in your own pocket or in the pocket of a family member. Uh, So that's a a pretty good foundation. But uh, you shouldn't stop there. Uh, Among the questions that you should ask if you're a trustee is whether or not the organization's articles and bylaws have contained provisions that mirror that statutory immunity. So it -hmm. should exist both places. And the uh, bylaws should provide for indemnification, too. In other words, let's just suppose that somebody does bring a suit, even a baseless one. The bylaws should say that the organization has an obligation to defend you so that you don't have to take money out of your own pocket. For it, right. and then um, a very important one is to get directors and officers insurance or D and O insurance, as we talk about it. And and the reason for that is no matter how wealthy the organization is, um, the insurance policy will defend you. it, it it's sometimes referred to and even the state supreme court has referred to insurance as as litigation insurance because they have to provide a lawyer to take care of you and they have to pay for it. So it's those three things. First of all, there's a statute that's on the books. You don't have to worry do anything about that other than take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. Secondly, make sure the bylaws conform to the statute and third be sure that the organization has D&O insurance.
0: This is very, very helpful information particularly right now where boards are faced with some very challenging financial and non-financial dilemmas. What and speaking of that, what are the best practices for board members faced with very difficult decisions, Jim?
1: Well, some of them are things I've touched on earlier. Uh, it's always it's important to always be open and transparent, particularly if there's any any Remotest possibility of a sure. conflict of interest,
0: sure.
1: uh, and to ask questions and educate yourself about the about the the facts of any issue, particularly if it's a financial issue. Uh, you know, questions are probably one of the asking good questions is probably one of the most important responsibilities of a board member. And uh, you want to make sure that whoever is chairing the meeting allows plenty of time for discussion. And sometimes there's, there'll be a decision that is so contentious that it might even be appropriate to bring in a, a professional moderator, a consultant who can uh, guide the board through the process. Mm. Because frankly, people, people who are extremely sincere and good people can still have strong disagreements about the right way to do something.
0: In fact, sometimes the disagreements can be the strongest. Actually, when one yeah. is it, really passionate about a topic.
1: Yeah, you know, and I, I would say too another element of of best practices is to listen carefully to what the other people have to say. You know, we're, we're all human. Mm-hmm. We all like it better when people tell us things that we already believe. But um, but sometimes. Uh, experienced this a lot. Sometimes listening to somebody that you disagree with ultimately produces a much better decision than just trying to force your own preconceived view. Uh, And then finally, you want to make sure when you do make a a difficult or a controversial decision, which in an extreme case could be a, uh, a decision to close the organization, you want to have a principled reason for, for having made that decision, you want to be able to look the world in the eye. You want to be able to talk to a newspaper reporter and say, this is why we did it. And it was painful, but it was the right thing to do.
0: Can you give us some examples of that, because I know you do have them in your vast experience?
1: well, one one is 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 one of the ones that I think is most interesting is a vicarious one. I, I wasn't personally involved in it, but it was really quite controversial, and the trustees were in quite a hot seat, uh, which did include, by the way, litigation. Uh, and that was uh, a museum uh, in Pittsfield called the Berkshire Museum. Which had some uh, some wonderful art pieces, uh, particularly some Norman, some original Norman Rockwell paintings. And if I recall it accurately, Norman Rockwell had actually given some of them to the museum.
0: Yep.
1: But the but the museum was on was having a, was struggling financially, and uh, uh, and and more more to the point. Some of the trustees were concerned that Pittsfield had other needs that were more important than being an art museum. And they thought that it would be better if they sold some of these uh, items, the Rockwell uh, uh, prints and paintings that were extremely valuable, and uh, converted to a children's museum. Hmm. Uh, Art lovers were utterly scandalized. And, uh, and a, a uh, one of the descendants of Norman Rockwell sued the trustees and the museum because the trustees were basically changing the mission of the museum. Uh, ultimately, a superior court judge, uh, dis- uh, one of the best superior court judges, by the way, uh, made a decision that um, what the trustees did was okay. Ultimately, the attorney general, well, the, the, suit, the, the lawsuit by the Rockwell heir was dismissed precisely because uh, only the attorney general could bring that type of a lawsuit. And the attorney general was finally persuaded that um, what the board did was responsible and accepted the judge's decision that the trustees were within their rights. But it was a very tough decision for everybody concerned, and and it caused a lot of
0: trouble. It it was indeed. I I remember and uh, refresh my memory by reading about it the other day as well. Now, you have an example that you were personally involved in.
1: (laughs) Yes. Uh, Anybody from around Worcester, I hope, will have very fond memories of the John Woodman Higgins Armory Museum. Yes. Uh, It's up on... uh, uh, on Barber Avenue, and uh, I, for many years, was a trustee there, and uh, eventually was the president of it. But we confronted uh, back; it was probably about 2009 or thereabouts, sort of after the last financial crisis, before the one we're <laughs> facing right now. The, the trustees came to the conclusion that the the museum just couldn't continue financially, that the resources weren't there. And it it was very very difficult because it was a beloved institution. And many of the people who loved it, including some of the trustees and including some of the corporators, which is a term that applies to people that get to vote on things but are a little bit less involved, uh, were not persuaded that, that every stone had been turned. Some of them wanted to try a fundraising campaign. And the board was sort of caught in the middle because uh, the museum was basically uh, burning assets at at a rate of $450,000 a year. Hmm. And it had a limited amount to burn. uh, And if it just, there was a great temptation to just keep conducting business as usual, but within four or five years, the money would have run out, and you'd essentially be selling priceless objects in an insolvency situation, which would have been a nightmare. Mm. Mm -hmm. So so the board uh, eventually uh, came up with the solution of essentially merging the Wiggins Art Museum into the Worcester Art Museum, and, you know, just in the interest of full disclosure, I am now a trustee of the Worcester Art Museum, but I was not then. And ultimately, it, it, it was a great decision in several senses. Number one, it saved the collection. Right. Number two, it kept it in Worcester. Number three, it contributed a lot to the revitalization of the Worcester Art Museum. But it was very controversial. And some of the descendants of, of John Woodman Higgins were very upset that the museum didn't remain independent, and they they wanted to try to raise enough money to keep it going. The trustees just had to make a wise decision that seemed the best that they could do at the time. And that is what we did. But there was a lot, <laughs> there was a lot of press coverage, and, and some of it didn't feel pretty at the
0: time. Yes, I remember. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and as you know, as we look back on it,
1: I, I, I think we we felt that we played the hand that we were dealt. Exactly. The best way we could have played it.
0: Exactly. And I
1: think, and and and, and, and I'm grateful that most of the people that thought it was the wrong thing at the time have come to come to accept that a lot has. Of good has come from it, and and incidentally, the more good will come of it in the future, because the Worcester Art Museum is in the process of of planning the higgins gallery that that was has been a complicated process, but in the meantime, we've saved at least some of the jobs and some of the some of the key people and saved the collection, and it's made Worcester a better place.
0: That's a great way actually to wrap this session of on air with Myra O'Connell up on non-profit boards and the tough decisions they are facing right now in light of the COVID-19 crisis, because it seems to embody most of the guidelines and thought processes that you've outlined for us today, I I think.
1: Yeah. I I mean, those certainly are are two good illustrations. There are many others, too. Uh, uh, And I I will, you know, maybe just my own parting observation is that, although I have always found being a board member to be very fulfilling. Sometimes it is really hard work, yeah. and, 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 and sometimes you wake up in the middle of the night and can't go back to sleep because you're worrying about what's the right thing to do, and will people feel hurt by it or disagree with, with it. it. It's just, ultimately, I encourage anybody who has the opportunity to, to serve as a trustee. It's a real privilege. But it's also real work.
0: Today's guest on on air with Myrick O'Connell has been attorney Jim Donnelly from the firm. Jim has been talking about requirements and processes and issues involved in nonprofit boards of directors, specifically, and how it all relates to the current crisis, the decision processes that a board needs to make, that needs to keep in mind as it makes what may. Be tough decisions in this crisis. Jim, I want to thank you so much for joining us.
1: It's a pleasure, Howard.
0: You can learn how Jim and his colleagues at Myrick O'Connell can assist you with your business and personal legal needs by visiting MyrickOConnell.com. This podcast is brought to you by the law firm of Myrick O'Connell. It is intended to inform you of developments in the law and to provide information of general interest. It is not intended to constitute legal advice and should not be relied upon as such. This podcast may be considered advertising under the rules of the Massachusetts Supreme Judicial Court. I'm Howard Kaplan. On behalf of Myrick O'Connell and Attorney Jim Donnelly, thanks for joining us. Take care and stay safe.